0: Are you familiar with this new Oppenheimer movie that's coming out? I've heard a lot about it, as well as the Barbie movie, and I've heard about people like signing up for a double header of the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer. It's called
1: Barbenheimer. Daniel,
0: <laughs> get it right.
1: I guess before I talk a bunch about Oppenheimer, uh, if you if you do yourself did a Bob, Barbenheimer double feature. Which one would you watch first? <laughs> What's the correct do you, order? Do
0: you have a choice? So they, I, I, mean, I just assume the theater gives you what they give you. But. I mean, I, I don't. Or like, our theater is actually doing like double headers. I, I think they might be nice. Well, sure. if
1: you were the yeah. theater and you were presenting the double header, what, what would you play first?
0: I think I'd put the serious one first. I don't know which one that is, but it's Barbie, obviously. <laughs> obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think. I think. Man, it's tough, right? Because normally you want to warm up the crowd and then you want to get into it. Yeah. And so maybe for that reason, Oppenheimer
0: is second. But on the other hand, would I, I feel like Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer might not hit as hard after watching the Barbie movie.
1: I think you need a palate cleanser after Oppenheimer. And mm-hmm. so I, yeah. I'm also, I also think that Oppenheimer goes first and then Barbie is the main feature.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
1: <laughs> Glad we're on the same page about that. <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, they shot oppenheimer in imax uh-huh. it's like one of the first films
0: to do black and white imax saw a picture of uh of that film reel
1: yeah isn't that crazy <laughs> it's like 35 miles long right? no 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 it's like 11 or 12 miles okay, long. 11 miles yeah but uh, yeah because like the movie's on two and a half hours and mm-hmm. it flies through at like five miles an hour or something
0: <laughs> i think it weighs quite a bit too but i don't remember how much mm-hmm. it was yeah there's uh
1: there's only two theaters in texas that are showing the 70 millimeter projection of the really? imax
0: mm-hmm. and where are they at
1: One's in San Antonio, and one's in Houston, I uh, think. And I, or it might be in Dallas, it might be Dallas in San Antonio. That's a shame. And I'm trying to uh, plan out a, a time when I can go see it yeah. in yeah. 70 millimeters. Yeah. yeah. It's important because then, like, if you see it on a 70 millimeter projector with the 70 millimeter film, it's like 16K resolution. <laughs>
0: it's pretty wild.
1: And apparently, they didn't use any special effects for this. They Like, everything was everything was practical, including the atomic bomb. <laughs> I'm not saying that they actually blew an atomic bomb, but apparently uh, they, did like what you're s- they did some sort of, like, scale something so that it's not a CGI explosion. Huh. And from what I understand, this is the closest you will ever get to seeing a real atomic bomb. God forbid. We hope. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, we hope. <laughs> 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 also, I'm like, I feel like like i have to see it
0: in 70 millimeter. what i want to know is on letterboxd do you get a separate entry to review if you get if you watch the 70 millimeter one? no That's come on you, you know, like a special badge or something
1: well no i mean what they need is special badges for airplane movies mm. where if you see it on an airplane you put a little airplane emoji or
0: something yeah i think so or you know or like i watched this on my phone because this is different so is not the same.
1: I think that's what Christopher Nolan intended—is for people to see Oppenheimer on their phone,
0: um, and I'm sure they will. They'll watch it. They'll watch it with their phone in portrait orientation oh and the God. little tiny landscape screen.
1: It's <laughs> <That's> horrible. <laughs> that's what'll happen. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. No, it's. I don't know. I just not a lot of like no one's doing. You know. Here's my whole film on IMAX. Very few. I know that they shot a lot of Nope on IMAX, mm-hmm. but it's basically like Christopher Nolan's jam. Yeah. And so it's, it's like maybe every couple of years he'll do his thing, and like you can go see it in you know
0: all of its film glory. I mean, I guess it's just so expensive that people don't people can't justify shooting it unless they're like a big name director anyway, right? Yeah, it's obscenely expensive. Yeah.
1: But also, I had the wonderful opportunity to. Tour the HX Film Studios this week, mm-hmm. and they shoot. They've shot a few TV shows and some movies over there. Some Robert Rodriguez stuff, things like that. And they were like, "Yeah, you know this this thing. They're paying like seventy five thousand dollars a day, not for like the film studio, but for everything. Wow, and for like the AC and the people and the catering and the actors and the sets and the like everything that goes into it. Yeah, I'm like." That's a lot
0: of money. That is a lot of money. A lot
1: of money. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're already spending $75,000 a day for a TV show, the cost of your IMAX film is probably just a small part of that.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't why, know. Either. Why don't other people shoot in it then?
1: Because they're afraid. They need to. They need to you know, toughen up.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the reason, but
1: I can yeah. tell that we both have our iPad timeouts set at the exact same amount. Yeah, we, we both keep <laughs> reaching
0: out to keep the screen alive. It's like at the exact same time we reach
1: out to tap the screen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really need to set up a shortcut to put that as infinite whenever we do this show. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, and you can even set that on like a time or something.
0: Oh, maybe you could like read your calendar. Sure. Ooh, smart, yeah. smart. Yeah, you work on that. Yep. Anyway, that's uh, that's my that's my pre-show. That movie comes out in. Later in July, is it's that right? It's like in two weeks. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, by the time this comes out. like,
1: Yeah, it'll be out. Yeah. Probably about, the
0: and point, ideally, about that. And ideally, I will
1: have bought my tickets for the 70mm version.
0: Oh. You, I'll, I'll report
1: back. I hope that I can, when I leave the theater, I have like a sunburn.
0: <laughs> do you want the 70mm to be your first slash only viewing of the movie? Or do you think you'll watch it before you make it to one of those theaters with the 70mm?
1: No, it's going to be my first viewing of the movie. Maybe not the only. Mm-hmm. I'll, prob- I'll probably yeah. watch it when it comes out mm-hmm. on not IMAX. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm watching less and less movies more than one time.
0: Well, there's just so many movies to watch. There's huh?
1: there's like seventy movies on my letterbox watch list, and I got to get through them, Daniel. Yeah, yeah I'm not
0: time to be watching movies two times. You're right. And this one's what two and a half hours long. I and mean, it's a lot of yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of movie, time. a
1: lot of movie. I mean, that's two normal normal-length movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's also like twice the size of a normal length movie. Literally.
1: So. literally, <laughs> That's why you got to cram it all in there. Mm-hmm. Four times the size, I guess. Right. Uh, well, I mean, like, let's get real. Movies are intended to be on Super 35. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's more than four times. So it would be four times regular 35. Or maybe it is Super 35. Yeah, no, I take it back. Because Super 35 is sideways on 35 mil. Yeah. But then you're t- never mind. It's just, whatever, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> It's too, it's too hard to figure out. It can't be done. No yeah, one knows.
0: You're probably right. <laughs>
1: it's, not, it's not
0: even worth trying.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video.
1: Daniel, did you buy an Insta360 GO yet? I
0: did. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> It hasn't arrived yet, but oh. it, tomorrow, tomorrow's the day. So.
1: <laughs> I did not expect that to be actually a yes.
0: Why did you just buy it on the podcast? I, I probably should have. should have waited <laughs> and bought it on the podcast. Oh, man. I actually wanted to ask you. I know that once I get it, you're going to want to play with it. Like and so bad. I'm curious what the first thing you want to film with it is.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking about
0: like, you know, learning how to use it, but like, what are you excited to film with it?
1: Like, I want... I, I feel like I should put a hat on and put it in first person mode. That way you could just see what life is like for someone who's a uh, 10 feet tall. <laughs> There's a guy that does that.
0: Yeah. Are, are you aware of this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I am aware. <laughs> He's almost as tall as you are. Yep.
1: Yep. Man, I don't, I don't actually have any, any, I, I mean, I want to borrow it for my peak design bag review because yeah, I think that would be super slick and we need to figure out a way to rig it onto a microphone and a drum set and all kinds of. Those sort of things. Well,
0: we've got a couple of weeks to figure that out.
1: True, true, true. Can we strap it to the bottom of a drone?
0: I mean, probably. Sure, why not? Just a double-sided tape and Velcro. But why do that whenever you've just got the camera on the drone?
1: Because it's a different thing, Daniel. (laughs) I mean, it'd be like like a totally different perspective.
0: I think what I'm I'm wanting to try first is this weekend, I'm going to be filming a live, uh, like doing a live broadcast thing, and I'm going to be walking around on a stage with a camera filming. Doing oh, all that. right. All right. And so I want to try putting the Insta360 like with the necklace mount thing on my chest and get like a POV shot of doing that. And I think people would find that cool.
1: That's a good idea. I like it. We'll yep. See- uh, they'll definitely be able to use that footage.
0: Yeah. There's so many cool things
1: you can I do know. with it. Looking forward oh, to man, it. man, I'm pumped. Yeah. I, is,
0: I got the 64 gig version. Well, it's uh, it's just, the only one to get, right? Like, yeah. you're not going
1: to go 128 and mm-hmm. the 32. Is so, like, basically the same yeah.
0: price. And and interestingly, both of those, the 32 and the 128, are not available at B&H yet, but the 64 is, which I think yep. kind of says it all.
1: Just confirms that they only want you to buy the 64. Yeah. It's the better one.
0: Yep. But I got just the standalone thing. Okay, I was um, going to
1: ask if you got one of the packages or yeah,
0: not. Yeah, I just didn't think they were really worth it. And, you know, I'll, I'll see how I use it. And if it feels like I would benefit from one of the accessories, it, you can just buy the accessories after the fact. Right. You don't really save that much in the kit. So I think it was the right choice. I mean, you know, obviously we'll see. But.
1: And it comes with the, like the regular mount thing that has the quarter 20, but then mm-hmm. also attaches to the sticky plate. Right. And it comes with the action pod itself. And what else? Yeah, you get the necklace, the, right? The, the necklace, necklace, necklace with the with the wedge thing on mm-hmm,
0: it, and the hat clip, and the hat clip. So feels like yeah, feels like you get like all the standard options with that. Yeah, that's pretty good. The only other thing I would have considered is like the monkey tail tripod thing, but I have a uh, gorilla pod, so I'm just gonna use that instead. Do they make a mouth clip for
1: it? <laughs>
0: I think you might be able to get one, because um, I know you can get one for GoPros, and then they have an adapter that lets you adapt to gopro brackets so you could at least do that but i don't know if they make a bespoke one
1: i'm looking for a mouth clip clips probably the wrong word pov mouth mount action cam
0: (laughs) yo boy the question is does it put it inside your mouth or outside your mouth no it's got like little like little
1: clamps for you to bite onto and then has a magnet for you to slap it on
0: there you go yeah that that looks good Yep. i yep. was
1: thinking something that was more like a mouth guard like you're playing football <laughs> which that would be cool too like you could like hook it onto your helmet there's just so many fun things you could do with this yeah, i am really i are. am pumped about you having an Insta 360 yeah. because it means that i can use
0: it sometimes yep. yep well you can see if you want to get one or not yeah i mean yeah, you I mean, want to get one
1: i want to get one but i'm gonna like i'm gonna get one later yeah like just maybe like into the year or something
0: yep yeah that's how you do
1: because i did i did buy something recently as well oh
0: don't, it, tell it, me more it was
1: not camera gear it was a new washer and dryer uh,
0: that is much less exciting
1: because because i had to what happened <laughs> oh the washer was just going out and mm. like uh we didn't want to run it because it was just so off balance we tried replacing the the struts in it and it was still getting off balance and it was just like not usable and i haven't the last time I bought a washer and dryer, I had to load it into a truck myself. Mm-hmm. And like I bought like the used cheapest washer and dryer I, you could find. Been there. But this time, I actually got real washers and dryers. <laughs> this like it connects to the internet.
0: All right. So is it Samsung or LG? Samsung. Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I, I don't think I want to connect my washer to the internet.
0: Well, I was about to ask you. I mean, you know, right now we're recording. You have your iPad right there. I was I was wondering if you could check on the status of your laundry.
1: No, no, no. It comes in tomorrow. You're oh, going to get it tomorrow. Okay. So like. Nice. Not yet. Man, these are exciting times, though. I know, huge. You, you got a super sweet camera. I got a washer. Yeah. They're front loaders, and so I'm going to print. I'm going to, like, to get the cricket, I'm going to cut eyeballs and put them on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, like, winking at me. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's that's, that's, neither here. that's why I didn't buy an Insta360 Go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Doing <laughs> boring adult things. So this is all stuff that's new to you, which you know is a little different for this show because normally you're the one bringing the camera news and yeah, telling me yeah, about yeah. it. So now well, I'm going to tell you. I'm doing
1: things. all this research, Daniel. I know but I got a lot of stuff going yeah. on right now.
0: You're buying a lot of washers and dryers. They're like no telling how much did you look at wire cutter reviews for that? I, okay, so like, I just Consumer did, Reports. That's what you got to use for appliances. I just really,
1: I really didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> like, like normally, I'm I'm the, of the kind of person that. I'm gonna do all the research. I'm gonna find like the
0: best whatever. Lucas, did you look at a single review before buying this washer and dryer? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold move. I sure
1: didn't. So, I mean, so I,
0: how did you make your decision? I looked then? at the review later. We, I
1: mean, we talked about like, do we want a top load or do we want a front load, and like, here's our budget. And then we went to Lowe's and like, we looked at the top loads and looked at things like these ones are in our budget. And we talked to the guy, and he's like, "This is the one I recommend." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, works for me."
0: So you're trusting some random guy at Lowe's because no, the la- future of your last, laundry.
1: Last time I was at Lowe's, I was wearing my, my uh, Believe Mac Pro shirt mm-hmm. from ATP, and that guy was like, you listen to ATP? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, cool. And so this time, I recognized him, and I was like, I trust that guy. He listens <laughs> to a tech podcast. <laughs> so you bought a
0: washer and dryer from an ATP listener yeah yeah okay that's a little bit more yeah a little better right it's a little better (laughs) and he he listens to atp and he recommended a samsung product so it must be really good yeah it's got to be right i mean he didn't recommend that you buy the apple washer and dryer
1: i mean i did say like between these two samsung (laughs) washers (laughs) because like i wanted a samsung washer and like that or lg i mean i didn't feel like buying a ge i would have bought a maytag Mm. i've always owned a whirlpool I am a little nervous about it having a computer in it because I'm used to every washer and drive i ever own being just simple like relays yeah. and motors.
0: I mean, it's probably not going to like, it's probably not going to have as long of a life as a traditional one. I don't know. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, but they're all like that now. Like how you can, I mean, unless you buy like the bargain basement cheapest appliance, it's going to have stuff like that.
1: Yeah. It's just everything has a computer in it, and I think it's yeah. a little dumb. I guess it makes it slightly better, but I don't know. I don't want my washer to have a software update.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or like firmware, you know, like, yeah. Like, are you going to have to install security updates for your washer now?
1: Not if I don't connect to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I have, a, I get updates for my TV and it actively makes it worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. And, you know, we, we talk about a lot of tech stuff and like, it's fun. And, you know, firmware 5.0 and like all this exciting stuff. But mm-hmm. I some things I just, it, it's gone too far.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about this Polar Pro Helix Maglock oh, filter you, system.
0: You don't want to talk about uh appliances the whole time? <laughs> welcome,
1: I mean, to the welcome to the appliance, welcome to the appliance podcast. <laughs> where we talk about the uh, appliances you love about uh washers and dryers.
0: I'm sure that exists. <laughs> but yeah, so Polar Pro. So Polar Pro makes filters. They make really expensive and good filters. They announced a new thing today, actually. That's why you don't know anything about this.
1: Sometimes I feel like their filters are arbitrarily expensive.
0: Yeah, uh, bold statement. We'll see what you think of this. So this is the Helix Maglock filter system, and it's a magnetic way of attaching filters. So instead of using threads, you get this base plate thing that you screw onto the front of your lens, and then you buy these special Polar Pro Helix filters that have magnets on them and they secure onto the base plate with a quarter turn and they made some bold claims about these things. And they said something like, I think they said it's five times faster. And then they said, compared to other magnet filter systems, it's 10 times stronger or more durable or something like that, which I don't know where they're coming up. These numbers, like, Did they get two people in a room and have one try to screw a filter on and the other use this thing and they're like, yeah, that's about five times faster. Is that that how they did
1: that? I mean, it seems like if you were comparing how long it takes to unscrew a filter and put on a filter versus snapping one off and snapping one on obviously like the (laughs) magnet's (laughs) going to be faster how you determine if it's five times i don't know if you have to have like a large enough sample size like okay here's 100 people we're gonna time you
0: i think it had to have been something like that right right you have to
1: as far as stronger than other competitors i mean sure that's
0: entirely possible that's like totally empirical right you know you just
1: was the magnetic force Mm. of our magnets versus your magnet yep yep
0: so it seems interesting. Um the base plates are twenty dollars each and they make them in a variety of different um like filter thread sizes. So
1: 67, 72, 77, and eighty-two. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you got a few options there.
1: So basically they make these for
0: full frame cameras. Man, nah, it seems like it, right? If you're an they old do, they did have one that was sixty-two. There's a sixty two millimeter.
1: I mean, I'm looking at this at this web page that you put in here from Petapixel, and it says mm-hmm. the Helix base plate is available in 72... Seventy-seven
0: and eighty-two. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I guess I gotta go look at the product page. Yes, so maybe maybe Petapix over here is not checking their facts.
0: Yep. But here's here's what I think is interesting about these. So the filters are really expensive because you know Polar Pro, right? And the ones that they've kind of announced with this product are like in collaboration or whatever with Peter McKinnon. Of course. Yeah. He he makes that. Or he has, like, that signature variable ND that they sell. You know, it's, like, 250 or something. wait anyway.
1: there's, like, no competing products to that. There's, like, the Moment one, and then there's the Polar Pro one. Yeah. And then, I guess, what's that generic, not generic, but, like, that brand that, like, multiple camera shops will sell from? Uh,
0: you're thinking of ProMaster.
1: ProMaster. I yeah. guess that maybe they probably have one, but that's mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. think
0: of any other. Well, I think what it is is that, and I kind of wanted to talk about this in a moment too, but okay. I mean, I think that at higher, at higher end stuff, I think most people would use a mat box. Right. And so this is like the most expensive circular filter you can get. And I mean, it's basically like, like this is YouTube in a nutshell, right? Like you've got these people that are using consumer type cameras, but they have a lot of money to spend and they want like the best footage and stuff. And so yeah, like, that's, where that's the market. For it's your,
1: you're like the highest like prosumer use, but yeah. you're not quite at that jump into like film production equipment yeah. where you can spend, you know, here's my map box and then here mm-hmm. it's $300 a filter or exactly. something. Exactly. So but, more, more on that
0: in a second, but yes, sorry. on this thing. Um, so, so they, they have a couple of different filters. They have a few variable NDs, a couple of mist filters, and I can't. There may have been something else too.
1: It looks like there's some ND plus mist mm-hmm. filters.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. But these things are all really expensive. It's like three hundred dollars a filter. There's one thing that I found that was interesting about them, though, which is that they only make the filters in one size. So whether you pick a sixty-seven millimeter base plate or an eighty-two or whatever, the base plates all take the same size filter. And so you only buy like one, you know, one size filter, because that's all they make. And then you get these base plates that are different sizes for your different lenses. And then you can use that same filter, you know, across all the lenses. So that's, that's where you save a little bit of money, because instead of having like step-up rings all over the place, you just use these base plate things instead, and then you can pop the same filter between all the different lenses.
1: I can get behind that. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I would want in my life anyway, is I want one one magnet thing and then one filter that can slap on all mm. the things. I guess most, most ever competing type things that do this, like, I think, what is the name of that? Like, it's like Heidi or something. They have a similar, where you screw on and Yeah, and there, there's on.
0: definitely at least one competing product for this. Maybe there's probably more than one. I know I've seen like Potato Jet's done a video on, on some other brand of these.
1: I'm trying to make sure that I got the name of that right. It's H-A-I-D-A. I just can't pronounce that.
0: Yeah. Maybe like Haida. 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 Yep
1: anyways they make those
0: yeah yep. so i don't know i think it's interesting i mean it seems ideal for run and gun type stuff i guess but you know a lot of times we're filming stuff and it's like we've just shot this interview and we need to immediately run outside and like go grab some b-roll outside and that's happened to us twice recently and i think one time i didn't have my nd filter and the other time i had it but it was like This whole extra step of, I'm going to have to go get the ND filter and pull it out and screw it on the lens. And like, I know it doesn't take that long, but it just felt like this extra step that I'd have to do before I could go and grab that footage. And so, I mean, I can get the appeal of like, I'm inside and then as I'm walking outside, I can just pop this thing on. Like, I don't know. seems neat.
1: Here's an idea. So, you know how you just bought that Insta360 Go and it has that magnet thing on it? Mm -hmm. And this is also a magnet. What if you just magnetized the ND filter to your chest necklace <laughs> and that way you're just like rolling and going you got to get that into you just like yeah, you rip just, it mm. off your chest <laughs> yeah you're, like, you're wearing it like iron man like uh-huh, right there just obviously like rip it off love and that like idea. slap it on the front of your lens and you're good to go yeah
0: yeah that's exactly what i was imagining in my head so perfect perfect yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: i don't know what do you think about this thing
1: uh, i'm into it i definitely like the idea of easier filter systems we all love i love throwing a, a mist on there or a you know an ND or whatever, mm-hmm. and so you know you're shooting in shooting in log. You basically have to have an ND filter. Yeah. So I'm into it. I like I like the idea of a magnet system. I'm surprised that Polar Pro didn't have something like this before. It is funny to look at all this marketing material and like all of the all of the modeling for this thing is by Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like man, that's a lot of tattoos. Anyway, it's I don't know. I'm into it. I. It feels like it's definitely geared towards full frame youtubers like yeah. your, your your canons and your sony's and that sort of thing because most of that stuff is going to be in that 67 to 82 well like if you're an old school fuji user all of their old stuff is 62 mil and just yeah. their newer stuff is 67 but most of your most of the things you're going to have for fuji are 67 to 72 yeah and very few 72 at that and so i mean that
0: but that's that's the position i'm in like i have the 50 to 140 and that's 72 and so when I bought an ND filter recently, I bought a 72 because right. it's like I'd rather I'd rather only buy this once. And that way I can just step up from the 67. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: I think that makes total sense. I have a step up rings on all my lenses. All my lenses are 67. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's if you go into the system, you now have an 82 millimeter front front filter yeah. if you're on APS-C. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just complaining as like the one APS-C you, you know, user left in the world over here. Yeah.
0: But, you know, that's, that's definitely the downside of it, though, because, I mean, you know, the, the, the whole promise of this thing is that you just leave that magnet base on your lens all the time. And right. so for you or me, you know, if, I mean, the only lens I use is that Tamron 1770. And that's 67 millimeter. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to have this massive thing on the front of it that, I mean, it's going to make the, the lens look like a top hat.
1: It just kind of feels like a downside to me if you aren't in the kind of system like Canon's, Canons lenses are enormous. Yeah. And I, I get you know a lot of people are in that you know 67, 72 range mm-hmm. uh, or you know, maybe even a little bigger but seventy seven for like a twenty four to one hundred five I just I don't know it seems like this is geared towards larger lenses maybe more professional stuff and a little bit of pricing kind of you know shows that off yeah, as well yeah, it's but expensive maybe if they uh, maybe if they sell enough of these they'll uh, they'll do like a se- a second option where you can get a maybe a slightly smaller filter system
0: yeah. Yeah, maybe so.
1: I mean, if it's for like run and gun people or like landscape photographers, there's a lot of people that shoot, you know, micro four thirds mm-hmm. or APS C, yep. and they do it because of the portability. I mean, one of the, one of the best landscape cameras out there is that, uh, you know, Olympus, whatever it is O M E D, O M D 1. Is it just the omd D 3, O M 10, O D, M R, Q P L? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Alphabet soup.
1: Yeah. I want it. Could you mind pushing an 82 millimeter? <laughs> on any Micro Four Thirds. It would look ridiculous. It would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> so it does feel like it's, the market is pretty much just full-frame YouTubers. Yeah,
0: it does kind of feel that way. I mentioned I wanted to talk about map boxes again, though, uh, and the reason was that I'm kind of interested more generally what your thoughts on filters are. So I was trying to think, you know, what are your different choices? I mean, one is that you just do a normal screw-on filter, which everybody's familiar with. That's what you and I both have. Um, there's also the quick release systems like this, things that magnetize to the front. I know I've seen some that are a lens adapter that goes behind the lens and then there's a drop in ND filter for those. So I know like the Canon RF, uh, it's the EF adapter that does yeah. that. And I think there's some that you can get for other systems too, that, that have a filter behind the lens. That's kind of interesting. Uh, and then there's matte boxes. So you can put a mat box in the front and sure. use those big filters. So I don't know. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Like, you and I are shooting bigger projects now. Why aren't we using map boxes?
1: I mean, maybe we should.
0: <laughs> maybe we should.
1: I I like the behind the fil- behind the lens thing for this the function functionality, but practically, it's more distance between your lens and your sensor, mm-hmm. and that means you know less less sharpness, less resolution. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, you're giving up eh, a little bit of image quality. Yeah, image maybe. quality resolution. Sort of, eh, well, whatever. So like. For that reason, I think that's the worst solution. I I mean, if you're how often are you like having to take an N D filter on and off and on and off? This seems really handy if you like you're going inside than outside and you need to pull it off. But mm-hmm. if if I had a three hundred dollar N D filter, that's like not going into my pocket. Yeah. Right? I didn't like so I have to like carry the case with it and like yeah. now it's a little, the indie filter that I have wasn't that expensive. It was, I mean, it was, I paid less than a hundred dollars for it. I think I paid like 60 bucks or something. I frequently will stick that in my pocket bare. And like, if I were to run outside, I'll just take it out of my pocket and yeah. put it. I don't, I don't have anything else in my pocket when I do this. Yeah, I'm not a monster. You don't, you don't have your keys
0: in there. <laughs>
1: <Just> <laughs> stick it in my key pocket. <laughs> now, usually it's like, if there's nothing else in my pocket or I'll move everything from a pocket and I'll just, I'll just like, I'll do that. I'll stick it in my pocket put it on, put it off. And if I'm moving really quickly right. and that's what I'll do, or maybe I'll like put it in a case, but it's not really that big of a deal to just screw it on really quickly. Yeah. And I feel like I would be less inclined for a $300 filter to want to just, you know, stick that in my pocket. So like, it's going to be in my bag mm-hmm. or I'm going to be committed to putting it on my lens or I guess if you're swapping lenses and you need it to be able to match on all of your lenses so you have this like magnetic base on everything and you're like taking the filter off, taking the lens off, putting the lens on, putting the filter, and just, I don't know. I kind of, I get that you don't want to have to own a bunch of $300 filters. You want to have just a single one. But I do think that while this promises a simpler simpler solution that it's still more complicated than yeah maybe like a dedicated indie per,
0: per right. lens. Yeah, you're probably right. And then, you know, if you're, if it's like you would otherwise not buy $300 filters, then maybe you can just buy all the filters you need for less. So. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I would think that something like this, you could buy the filter that you need at like a six to nine stop or, or that sort of thing. But it's still, you know, like some people will still want to stack filters Yeah, and that's where matte boxes come in. Cause I guess for this one, if I use this on a Fuji, the fact that it's 82 and I'm coming on 67, like that's, there's going to be no vignetting. You're yeah. going to be catching this, the center of that. Yeah of that glass so that's good but i mean like variable nds are themselves just circular polarizers even these locking ones it's still kind of the same thing they're just restricting the 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 edge yeah and so i feel like you while these are probably optically really good they're not perfect
0: yeah not not gonna be as good as a fixed nd
1: right and which is why i mean matte boxes are always going to be the superior solution here is because you can get higher quality plates of tinted
0: glass yeah yeah, And then
1: you can easily stack them without causing any sort of vignetting and you can control your exposure better. Mm-hmm. They so, are
0: very expensive.
1: They are very expensive.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems like you can pay, you know, three, $400 easily for an ND like that fits in a mat box.
1: Yeah, I guess if, you, if your budget was 300 bucks, you could buy a matte box and maybe two filters?
0: Maybe. Maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Probably,
1: I mean, I guess like the just the small rig, cheapo ones are one hundred mm-hmm. and thirty dollars each. You probably need two, yep. or three. Maybe only two,
0: yeah. And then where do you know. store them? I, mean, I mean, you get other advantages. Like you do, you do generally get the the flag things on the top and bottom. So if you need to control for you know like glare or something, like maybe that's helpful. You definitely get a benefit in terms of people perceiving you as being professional. Like, sure, like it that easily makes a mirrorless camera look way more expensive than it is. Right. Which, like, it's fun to make fun of that, but, like, that kind of matters sometimes.
1: Well, one of the big things with a matte box is the fact that it has that flag on it, mm-hmm. and you can use it to block the sun so yeah. you don't get any sort of, you know, sh- sh- streaking or uh, flaring onto your sensor or onto, the, onto yeah. those uh, filters, because the filters aren't going to have the same flare-resistant coating as, as your lens. And if the lens hits it a certain way, it can cause, like the the light to bounce in an obscure direction into the front element, which could cause different kinds of like ghosting yep. or flaring or whatever. Yep. And for something like this, if you're not using like an 85 or an 82 size lens front, or maybe even, even not, you're not gonna be able to put your hood over this thing.
0: Yeah. And you're so about the, when you say this thing, you're talking about the Polar Pro. Yeah. So yeah.
1: like this Polar Pro magnet thing, because of that, like how big it is and you're adapting everything up to a specific size, it doesn't look like it ships with an optional, you know, lens hood and yeah. you can't put the lens hood on it. And so if you need like the best image and you're shooting outside where that's where all the glare is, I don't know, you're going to, you're going to run into that problem. You're yeah. going to have to like hold a, a sheet of paper or something over the top mm-hmm. of your lens. And so like for that reason, matte box is also better. I guess you could put a matte box on your camera so you have the flappy thing and then use this.
0: <laughs> you you could.
1: It, would be, it wouldn't be that expensive. I mm-hmm. mean, those matte boxes themselves are, you know, you could go for less than $100. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's the lenses that, or the the sorry, the filters that kill you on that. I just think it's interesting. Like, we've started doing larger projects, and it's kind of like I can see the appeal to something like a matte box, but I, I still just don't feel like the stuff we're doing is at that point yet. And it's, you know, you give up a lot going with something like that, too. Like, it looks cool, and it has some benefits, but... You've just made your camera a lot more portable. You've increased your setup time. You've made it heavier. It's definitely downsides.
1: You can get a gold morphic streak filter for this thing. Almost like looking at what this is two hundred dollars.
0: I don't have any idea what that means.
1: It it, it has it has horizontal lines across the across the filter. And it gives you like anamorphic streaks uh, whenever a light hits it, but you have to make sure that you put it on exactly horizontal.
0: Yeah, because otherwise you get weird, weird yeah, angled streaks. yeah, weird angled streaks. Mm.
1: Man, I watched I watched a movie recently. Uh, I think I mentioned. I feel like I mentioned this on the podcast, but I don't know. It was like two weeks ago on a Saturday. I went to the movies, and you know, like there's like Indiana Jones and like across the Spider Verse and all these like big name movies out, and I was like, I could go see those movies, but instead I'm gonna go see. The horror comedy that's only in one theater. And so I went and I saw The Blackening. And there was a part in that movie, like, it's just so campy and stupid. And it was great. But there was a part of the movie where they were, like, going downstairs. And the movie was shot spherically. It was not an anamorphic movie. Yeah. And they're like, well, for this part, we're going to take the the her phone that she's holding up as a flashlight and do an anamorphic streak across <laughs> that that light. Yeah, mean you gotta the, make it look
0: cinematic. And that's the only time in the entire movie that we're going to do this like anamorphic streak thing. What was that? Was that the moment of the whole movie? Was that the thing that took you out of the experience? Yes. Like 100%. I was just, I was
1: like my only complaint. I I love, I love campy horror stuff. And like, if they're like tongue in cheek, do some sort of like, Oh, we're going to shoot it in this way because it's like super obvious or just really on the nose. I'm into it. I love it. Fantastic. But, this felt like they weren't doing it to be funny; they were doing it because, like, they wanted it to look fake anamorphic. Yeah,
0: they're like trying to up their production value or something like that. And it that. just
1: looked bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like they were cross-cutting with another scene that was in the dark with lights, and those were spherically like glaring. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What, like, there's no, there's no reason to do this. Yeah, like, what's the gag here? I feel like you're just doing this because it's. You think it's cool, anyways?
0: They're doing it to troll you. I was very, I was very annoyed by that whole thing. <laughs> These are problems that only you have.
1: <sighs> anyway, you can get it. You can get one of those gold morphic.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll do that just to make you mad. Golly, Start filming everything. Golly,
1: it. <laughs> jeez, that makes it just the whole fake streak thing drives me bananas. Fake streak.
0: Anyway, thought the filter thing was cool. I'm sure we'll be seeing all the YouTubers with them soon.
1: So. I would consider it. Yeah, I'm not ruling it out. I'm into it. I feel like it could fit my lifestyle.
0: <laughs> you are always running and gunning and nding and yeah. You know, mm-hmm. shooting, I mean, shooting everything in f log two at, at ISO 1250.
1: I mean, the fact that we shoot everything in f log two, I would consider just taking a sharpie to the front of my lens.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, just take it to a window tinting place. <laughs>
1: I don't ever, I don't ever have to shoot shoot with a you know an nd not on right
0: man. Even indoors, right? Exactly. Yeah. ISO
1: 1200. I'm like, man, I need an <laughs> ND4 because I'm shooting inside. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta shoot everything at F8 just to just to tamp the light down. Oh, man. You would never. I mean, maybe like sometimes. Yeah. It's the sharpest, sharpest part of the lens, mm-hmm, Daniel. That's
0: true. All right. Let's move on to something else. I think this one's kind of interesting too. So, S- 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 Siri? Sier- Siri? Sh- sure- Shuri. Hey, Siri, S- turn ma- turn the volume up to maximum. Anyway, so there's this company, Sirui that makes uh, camera gear and lenses and they such. Make, they make my tripod. They do make your tripod. They also make fairly affordable anamorphic lenses.
1: But you should buy the nanomorphs instead because mm-hmm. these ones have squeeze problems at minimal focal distance. Yep.
0: But that's not what we're talking about. So these are cinema lenses that they just announced. They're the quote-unquote Nightwalker series, and I thought these things looked pretty cool. So... What's going to interest you is that they're APS-C Super 35 size, and they come in 24, 35, and 55 millimeter filter uh, or uh, focal lengths. All of them are T 1.2, so pretty fast. They're all the same physical size, like you know, length and width and all that as and, you would want
1: in a cinema lens yes
0: and they're all 67 millimeter filter thread
1: love it so it's the best filter thread size well it's
0: nice about them all being the exact same size i said if you have a rig or something you can just swap out these lenses in the rig you don't have to move anything around like it's all just you know it's like a drop-in replacement so that's cool
1: yeah i mean that's like table stakes mm-hmm. for cinema lenses they're like we you Yeah, you maybe need to swap out the back of the mount Mm. or whatever, but you buy
0: the whole set because they can
1: easily be interchanged.
0: Yeah, you don't have to rebalance anything or anything like that.
1: All the gears are Mm. the same tooth.
0: Yep. These are uh, are geared, so geared focus ring and a stepless aperture ring. They are fully manual, you know, which is... uh, As God intended, yeah. yeah. Similar or uh, common for cinema lenses. Here's another interesting thing. Mounts available for this lens. One of these is going to be... a little bit of a surprise. So you got E-mount, not a surprise. X-mount, interesting, but not a surprise. Micro four-thirds, okay. Which, okay. you know, okay. And RF-mount.
1: Well, I mean, it's not a, uh, it doesn't have any smirts in it. Yeah, they it can doesn't. RF-mount that yeah. thing all day. I
0: guess so, but still, how many RF-mount lenses have you seen? Very few. Yeah, but you mean, you is
1: Canon going to come sue them, or is Red's going to say, listen, Canon? Someone's got to make something for their stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what it is. This is this is clearly intended for stuff like the Komodo, right? APS-C RF Which
1: mount. I guess you would have to shoot that in. I guess that, is that that's that super thirty-five? I think it shoots in a super thirty-five. I mode. think there
0: is a super thirty-five mode.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, but yeah,
0: these are pretty affordable. Uh, a single lens is going to retail between three fifty and four hundred dollars. And you can get all three of them for a total of $1,000.
1: It looks like if you back their GoFundMe on Indiegogo, which is two things that are different. Yes. <laughs> I, can, I can use contrasting words and names. I think it's like $900. You get like yep. you get like $100 mm-hmm. off.
0: Yeah. And, and the uh, individual lenses are like, you know, 310 to 350 uh, on that. Man, I'm dying background. to know like how
1: good these things are. I know,
0: yeah, pretty cool. I, I I've just seen this today, so I don't even know if there's any reviews out yet. the The campaign goes through August 10th, but they're expecting to ship these by the end of July. So that's kind of interesting that the uh, that the campaign's still gonna be going. So maybe there will be some reviews before it's over. The campaign's already fully funded, so I mean, it seems like these are gonna happen. But I don't know. It seems pretty cool. I mean, the, the price is obviously pretty eye catching just because it's actually affordable, but these seem like they it seems like they do all the cinema lens things and they're fast. And Siri makes lenses. So I mean it's not like this is a totally, you know, unknown quantity.
1: Yeah, they make they make fairly decent lenses. And something like a spherical manual lens doesn't have to be the most expensive thing in the world. They're probably not as sharp as like a DXO or something like that. Yeah. Sure. DX Yeah. Yeah, but As far as if you're trying to get some cinema style with gears for those kind of shoots, man, a thousand bucks in and you get three primes. Yeah. That seems worth it to me. That's, that's, this is great for like indie stuff. I'm looking at these pictures on Indiegogo and I'm looking at this one specifically. Can you tell me uh, who makes that filter and what camera that is?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can definitely tell you who makes the filter because it's gold. Yeah. So it's Polar Pro. Yep. 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 I can't tell what camera that is. It's white. So, is it a Komodo?
1: I'm going to say it's a zve one
0: Oh, that could be.
1: It could be a Komodo, though. Yeah. <laughs> they did have a Komodo in one of these other shots. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely that Komodo. Yep. Nice. Anyway, I'm really into this. I can think of one lens for Fuji that is F1.2. And I own it. <laughs> yes, you do. Yep. Well, that's it. And... I mean, even if you go look at third-party primes, they're all 1.4.
0: Well, and let's point out, this is not F1.2. It's T1.2.
1: Which is even faster!
0: Yeah, because yeah. T measures the actual transmissivity. Tra-
1: transmissivity.
0: Yes, that of yep. the lens. Whereas mm-hmm. F is like a mechanical, like this is what the aperture is. And so usually the T values are better than the F values. Right,
1: yeah. It has to do with like the iris and the, and the pupil size and that sort of thing. Yeah man, I really want these things. Yeah, I mean, I know that my next cinema purchase was supposed to be nanomorphs, but I could see a spot in my life for both these lenses and nanomorphs.
0: I thought you'd be interested in it. I mean, you know, I I know you're all about that anamorphic life, but it seems to me like if you're doing a cinema style shoot, having lenses like this is sort of just nice. I mean, it seems like they're going to be more consistent. You won't have to you know, change things around when you switch focal lengths. It just—it seems like a benefit, and it's cheap enough to buy without being a huge deal. I mean, it's not even the Nanomorphs are what like a thousand dollars each. This is yep. way cheaper than that.
1: These seem great. We're gonna have to see what what they do as far as like reviews and that mm. sort of thing. But I mean, T one point two, you know, Super thirty five, which is the obviously the correct size for shooting video. But like, it's got a 270-degree rotation on the focus throw. Yeah, That's pretty good. Yep.
0: Also, the lenses only weigh 500 grams each, yeah. which is like 1.1 pounds, which is a really nice weight. I mean, it's, that's in line with Fuji lenses. Man. And that's another benefit to these being uh, APS-C Super 35 sizes. You don't have this massive full-frame glass that weighs a ton. Uh,
1: there's like a a billion videos on their Indiegogo page. I'm really into this, Daniel. This is super cool. Yep. What did you say the focal lengths were?
0: Uh, 24, 35, and 55. 24, That's about right. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's a shame they don't have a, like, a 16. Yeah. Especially since they're Super 35. Yeah. Sometimes you need that that wide shot. Though I doubt that you could get a 16 into this size class. T- That's 1. probably 1.2. Yeah. Though they aren't that much larger than the 1.4 16 mil from Fuji. So. Yeah. It might be possible, but...
0: Maybe they just couldn't fit it into the same... I mean, it could be coming later. Or maybe they just couldn't fit into the same... Like, these lenses all have the same T-stop value. Right. And they're all the same size. And, I mean, there's there's some appeal to that. Well, so.
1: I'm, I'm sure that going from F1.4 to T1.2 would be pretty significant yeah. at 16 millimeters. Yeah, I
0: think so, too. So I don't know. Seemed pretty cool.
1: Yeah, these are super neat. Yep. I'm into it. I'm going to be watching a lot of uh, videos and reading a lot of stuff about this later. I bet you are. I'm into it. Okay, there's, there's a few things on here. I tried to like smash some topics together uh, in anticipation of this and I kind of wanted to throw a couple of them at you and get, get your thoughts on them.
0: Okay, let's hear it.
1: Okay, so have you heard about this Phase 1 XC camera that just recently
0: came out? It sounds vaguely familiar. Is it a high-speed camera? No. Do okay. you know what Phase 1 is? No, I guess I don't. They make... Really, really
1: large censored medium format cameras. Oh, okay. I think that they're bigger than GFX sensors. Oh, wow. And they're very, very expensive. And
0: I I imagine this is a photo camera.
1: Yes, it's a photo camera. And they're for like shooting really high detail. Like you need the biggest, best, absolutely Mm -hmm. best image quality that you can get.
0: That's pretty niche, but I understand
1: yeah, I mean, like, there's got to be, like, the top of the top of the top of the top of the top end. Yeah. How much would you guess? I mean, like, based upon everything I told you, like, this is crazy expensive sure. camera. How much do you think one might cost?
0: Like, just the body, like, like buy the camera?
1: Yeah. I, Peter Peter McKinnon did a video on one of these recently. Okay. I don't know if you watched it.
0: No, I don't think I did. Not the XC, but on, a, like, the Phase 1 cameras. I don't
1: know. $28,000? It's, like, $150,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're, like... <laughs> super expensive that's too
0: expensive that's too much for a camera
1: i mean if you need the best
0: so what's an example of somebody that's going to be using this thing
1: i mean there's people who shoot like uh say you're going to put a picture of a watch that's like macro photography and it's going to go on a billboard
0: oh okay
1: And you need something that's like super detailed and very high res that sort of thing
0: i see do you know what the what the megapixel pickles on that are
1: what the megapixels are on the like the main phase one like the xf camera i don't know offhand
0: i mean because i've heard about these samsung phones that have like a 102 megapixel sensors it i mean i mean why why not just use the phone please <laughs> come
1: on come on daniel what do you think this podcast is <laughs> I'm looking at phase one's website and the menu, I hit the like the overflow menu to like flip through their tabs and it's geospatial imagery, cultural heritage and bespoke photography.
0: <laughs> Definitely go to the bespoke photography section. That's, that's where we want to be.
1: Yep. So hopefully, hopefully that answers your it, question. It does help. Yes. And anyway, they're not going to, they're not going to post anything about the, Count- Countably
0: uh, Infinite. That's how many megapixels? Yeah, sorry,
1: 151 megapixels.
0: Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. So like, I guess I understand. They're like
1: USB-C and that sort of thing. So
0: you're paying like $1,000 a megapixel.
1: Right. Okay. okay. So they have come out with an XC, which is, they're okay, they saw how well the X100V is doing. And they're like, what if we went into that market?
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> that feels like a leap, but okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: And so, I I don't, I don't have the price for me, but I believe it's about $60,000.
0: Oh, yeah. Bargain. You can,
1: you can get yourself a medium format point-and-shoot
0: camera fixed lens. <laughs> you were saying that's what you wanted. You wanted a, a new version of, like, the Sony R1, RX1, or whatever. I mean, that this is this is it, man. This is your camera.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's medium format. It's not even... Uh...
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect for you.
1: So, just announced... Uh, and let me let me show you this picture of it it has a bespoke wooden handle
0: <laughs> you know that's we talk about cameras like the X100V being pocket size that's like pocket sized if your pocket is the front pocket on overalls
1: <laughs> this thing you don't let leave your hand you have it get handcuffed to you yeah that's probably true it's you know, just that
0: extension of your arm mm-hmm. so
1: it is also 150 megapixels and the sensor size is 53.4 by 40 which I think is similar to the gfx but i'm not 100 sure i know that it's definitely way bigger than full frame
0: man that is expensive and,
1: and the lens that comes on it is a 23 millimeter f5.6 <laughs> and if
0: that, if the if the if the sensor is that big and a 23 millimeter lens is gonna be really wide right yeah it's gonna be pretty wide yeah. i think if it's the same size as the gfx that's it's a
1: 0.71 crop mm, and so okay. you kind of you're looking at yeah you're looking at like 16 mil, i mean it, roughly it makes
0: sense right like for landscape photography that sort of thing it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah well i mean this is this is for your your street photography stuff
0: <laughs> right uh, walking yeah around. so like
1: a gfx 50s is 43 by 42 so this is this is as big as like a Hasselblad yeah. uh, h60 right it's that fifty six the actual like huge medium format.
0: So you're uh you're walking around doing street photography with this sixty thousand dollar camera. Yeah. Cool.
1: Producing a slick, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that was it. I, that was all. I just wanted to get your opinion on it.
0: And that's yeah. That's uh that's something. Now it kind of
1: You know, the further conversation on this is obviously, like, we've talked about the X100V a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants that camera. And then we've all guessed, like, what's the next letter going to be if it was F and then V? Obviously, it's X next. I'm standing by that. Anyway, the X100V, because it's a fixed-lens camera, it doesn't have to be APS-C. And so, like, Fuji could make the next X100 be whatever they wanted.
0: They've already got those medium-format sensors. I'm just saying...
1: Like, sure they could go full frame,
0: but what if there was
1: a like a fixed lens GFX camera? Like a GFX one hundred.
0: There is a there is a GFX Daniel, 100. just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and it's not what you think. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think that the problem is that it wouldn't fit in your pocket.
1: Yeah, I mean, but like they can make that lens, like, you know, because because it's, they're like, it's not interchangeable, so it can be smaller.
0: you to have to get that overall pocket, man.
1: Uh, the, the, the A7C from Sony is, it's like, you know, it's smaller than an X-H2S.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. So, yeah.
1: why can't you make like a medium format that's like, you just cram that puppy in there?
0: <laughs> because optics, <laughs> Lucas.
1: <laughs> if... If, you, if they made this fictional camera, Dana, would you buy a medium format point-and-shoot style or would you buy like an APS-C style?
0: I would buy an APS-C style because for me, the advantage of the point-and-shoot is portability and using it for travel and stuff. And if it doesn't fit in my pocket, then it's basically useless for that.
1: Would it change your mind if it was like 50 megapixels?
0: I don't think it would. It, it would still be it would still be bulky. It would still be expensive. I just, I just don't see it happening.
1: If Sony came back with an like an R1, R2, or whatever. If, if
0: there was a full-frame Sony-type thing, I would consider that, because it probably wouldn't be that much bigger. If they
1: came out with that, and I was cross shopping that against an X100 next version, I would probably pick the full-frame if it wasn't appreciably more
0: expensive. Yeah. I will say, I mean, you know, fu- Fuji fanboyism aside, I think that for a point-and-shoot camera, the film simulations are pretty appealing. True. Because you can... It, it it encourages you to do JPEGs out of camera.
1: Yep, yeah, you would want to lean towards that. Like, mm-hmm. why if you're going to edit them, why not use the big yeah. rig?
0: I mean, I I really think that the X100V is is ideal for what Fuji makes, and I think it's the less ideal for like a, a camera like that is less ideal for Sony's pattern of cameras and True. like their target user and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I think I, it would be a pretty hard decision, but. Sure, having a full frame lens option would be great. It does
1: feel very like a fuji and I guess I would I mean, maybe throw like face one in that corner. I feel like Hasselblad's the other brand that might consider doing something like that.
0: yeah, maybe so. I mean, you know again, that would be probably really expensive it would be so expensive, yeah oh.
1: okay that's that was that one uh I was looking at used cameras.
0: Because, yeah, as one does. Right.
1: We got some we got some listener mail. We're trying to do some research for that topic. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering like 8 bit if you're buying a used camera for video, is it worth buying 8 bit in 2023?
0: Oh man, that's a bold question. I still think so. I think it depends on where you're at and how much money you want to spend. I mean, 8 bit was good enough for all of us a few years ago and if you're not willing to get into cameras because, you know, you don't have, like, let's say you have $500 to spend or something. I mean, if the camera you can afford is 8-bit, then I don't think that should hold you back. But, I mean, I'm at a point where I don't want to shoot video in 8-bit. So, I really think it depends on where you're at in your journey with video. I feel like I'm just so
1: down on 8-bit Sony that I can't recommend old Sony cameras just because... They don't have 10-bit color. But, like, the 8-bit color that I used in my Fuji stuff was fine. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It it depends on what you're doing, too. Because when you talk about it, your experience with that 8-bit Sony footage is shooting in low light, shooting in, you know, pretty demanding situations. And so I feel like that's also, like, pretty rough on the camera. And
1: I guess I was pushing it around to color match to other cameras versus just using it straight out of camera. Yeah.
0: I I think 8-bit's fine. I don't know if I would recommend somebody buy a Sony a seven three at this point, like to use your specific example, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the 10 bit stuff, but you know, I, I don't want to gatekeep either. And you know, the eight bit stuff's probably a lot cheaper now. So
1: I guess for me, it's, it comes down to like color grading and I wouldn't, if I was planning on doing much of any color grading, I would steer towards yeah,
0: ten bit. And I think on a related note, if you have a camera that can shoot in eight bit or ten bit, if you're shooting video and especially if you want to color grade, then just shoot in ten bit. Don't right. e- like don't even try the eight bit unless
1: unless your computer can't handle it.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true
1: because it can get pretty pretty nasty
0: that's out there. That's true. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Now this other thing. This is I don't even know how to broach this topic, Daniel. <laughs> I want to have a reason to build like a like a camera sled or something. Like you know how in movies where like they build the tracks and then they like build a cart and then they like roll the camera uh-huh. on a cart. Yeah. I want something like that. Because I wanna <laughs> shoot like I wanna shoot like a short film mm-hmm. and I want I wanna have like a roly camera cart situation that is I don't have to build a track for, because that would be a whole thing.
0: So you want it to like run on the ground,
1: but I need to like be able to move the whole system in a repeatable motion. And I mean, like, you have sliders and you have those little skate things, but I need like I need like a cart. And I know that some people, you know, use what you got. Maybe you're gonna build it out of a radio flyer wagon and some and some like whatever uh, plywood. I need some suggestions for what I could use to build my my video cart rig.
0: Well, the first thing I'm gonna do is challenge your assumption. So why can't you build a track?
1: I mean, I guess I could, but I'm just saying that if I built a track, then I have to build the track for every single scene yeah. I can use this for. That's true. And I think that's a I think that's a lot. Yeah. Versus, you know, maybe I have more flexibility if I build something that doesn't have to have a track unless I build the tracks and I build the thing and then the tracks are like modular yeah. and I could set them up bespokely for everything
0: yeah I mean because I've seen people do cheap versions of dollies with um, PVC pipe okay so they, okay they use that to make the track and then they have wheels that run on the PVC pipe so you get two wheels at a 45 degree angle kind of kind of angling down onto the pipe okay okay and I mean that seems like it would work. Because the, the problem that I think you have if you don't do that is like, you know... You, well, it's not going to be as smooth as yeah, possible. Yeah, it's not going to be as smooth. And so you would need... If you didn't have that, you would need something to soak up the vibrations, you know, from hitting the ground.
1: How how big of PVC are we talking? Like two inch, four inch, one inch?
0: I feel like that it's a one inch would be way too uh, floppy. You know, it's right, right. sounds pretty rigid. I feel like they were using... Uh, Maybe it was two inch. I don't know. It looked like some, somewhere around there. Okay. L- look All this right. up online. There's some uh, there's some pictures of it. But I think that could work. I don't know. Because otherwise, you're going to have to put some something on the cart to dampen the motion.
1: Uh, so the tracks was kind of the big thing that was holding me up here. This idea of using PVC track. Mm-hmm. I'm into it.
0: Yeah. This is good. This could work. Yeah. Yeah. You should look at PVC. And then, I mean, the cinema version would be like speed rail, which is a metal uh, metal piping and I don't know how expensive a speed rail is, but... I can almost mm-hmm. guarantee if it has a TM after the name, it doesn't fit in my budget. <laughs> I, I don't know if it has a TM after the name. <laughs> maybe an R in a circle? Yeah. But <laughs> regardless, you could afford PVC, so maybe something to consider. Okay. Thanks. A- I, how far do you want to go? I mean, like like how, how much travel do you want?
1: I mean, I, I don't know yet, Daniel. It yeah. kind of depends. Probably only a matter of like three or four feet. Yeah. But I want to be able to put a curve in it.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes. And I need
1: to be able to like move, like I got to put like a fluid head on top or something. Mm. I don't know. I'm working on it.
0: You got a lot to figure out here. Yeah,
1: but this is this is good. This gets me yeah. off center, which is really the whole reason I brought it up.
0: Yeah. The other thing you could do is just get like the cheapest cart you can imagine. Yeah, you don't need a cart. You you just do it yourself, but get a Ronin 4D and then that'll soak up any any vertical movement whatsoever. I just, I, while I would look super, super
1: cool, with a run of 40, I feel like it still wouldn't look like it was on a cart.
0: And even if it did look like it was on a cart, you would know that it wasn't on a cart and that would bother you. Yeah, I
1: would just deep down I would I mean, like doesn't matter how much stabilization I put on there, I could tell that it was handheld. Yep. It's not, not going to look perfect. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be working on this for a while, so yeah. I'll, well, I'm, I'll keep uh, I'll
0: keep you updated. Yeah, yeah. Please please come back here with updates <laughs> on that.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh there's there's some Amazon Prime sales happening right now. And like la- last time this went around, I think you bought a 20, a 30 millimeter lens.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. And
1: I don't remember if it was the same thing, but like we've bought and purchased,
0: you know. We've bought and. Bought and. That's the kind of grammar you can expect on this podcast. <laughs> yep, you, know, you know,
1: like r- camera accessories, right? So
0: I, th- I thought about asking you about like,
1: what are some really good camera gear accessories, like SSDs or Aperture MCs, but instead, have you seen any good, good like camera deals uh when going across going across amazon recently
0: i have seen a few i haven't looked for camera gear or camera deals quite as much um just because I, I don't i mean i don't really shop for like lenses or cameras on on amazon but as far as gear the best one i've seen so far is the t7 mm-hmm. uh, which is the little portable uh samsung ssd that we both use and they have a 2-terabyte T7 for $99.
1: Those it's, things just keep getting cheaper.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is super cheap. I, I looked up how much I paid for my T7 Shield. Uh-huh. And, but for a 2-terabyte one of those last fall, I paid like 180 Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost half the price.
1: I just, I can't stop buying those. I have three, one, no, I have two 1-terabyte T7s, a 500 gig, and a 2-terabyte. Yeah.
0: I've got, uh, you know, a similar number of them. Mm-hmm. and. I mean, I thought about this deal was tempting and the only reason I didn't buy it was because I've just, I just don't need it. I've got yeah. enough storage, but it's pretty cool.
1: I think, I think that's kind of the main thing is like, anytime you see those T sevens go on scale, you just got to scoop them up.
0: Yep. Never know when you'll need them. Yep.
1: But is there any other like similar camera accessories where you, if you saw it on sale, you would, you would insta buy it. Like, is there like, is an aperture MC on that list or is there any like lenses or anything that you would insta buy if you, if you saw it come down in price on a sale like this?
0: Um, You know, it kind of always, that always changes. There's nothing that was specifically like that, but I did see some good deals on B&H. That's kind of my tip for this stuff is like when Amazon does sales like Prime Day, a lot of times other retailers will match them. There's a bunch of stuff like that. Are you
1: like looking for that? That 72 millimeter uh, ProMist black?
0: I I probably should look at that actually. Black Mist ProMist? I should look and see if those are on sale. Black ProMist. Black ProMist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was cheap enough, sure, I'd consider something like that. Mm -hmm. Because I Mm want I I want one of those filters. That is, you know, they're expensive. Yeah, but there were some deals uh, that I thought were interesting on B and H. I've been looking at lighting recently Mm -hmm. because you know some of these bigger projects feels like you can never have enough lights. and there were some interesting deals there. The uh, the Amaran tube lights were on sale for really cheap prices. So those were like fifty dollars off. But then they also came with that B seven. Uh, light bulb thing. I thought that was a really cool deal. I bought one of those recently.
1: Mm-hmm. I think like, we keep running into situations where, like, th- we want a practical light in a scene, and it's like there's already a light there that we can use, but like, I don't know if it's going to strobe. And everyone's yep. put like LED lights in their home and that sort of thing. And so like, I keep incandescent bulbs in my in my lighting kit <laughs> so I can like swap them out as practicals whenever we whenever we shoot that. And so buying one of those one of those light bulb aperture things has been nice. I haven't yeah. actually used it yet.
0: It makes you feel good to have it because you can dim it down. Yeah. And you can set the color temperature exactly how you want. This seems really useful. Well,
1: sometimes like you throw a practical in a scene and it messes up your entire contouring of your light. Yeah. And it's like, I just need it to be dimmer. And being able to like, just kind of stick one of these things in a lamp and like set the color temperature and set the intensity makes it a lot easier to work with practicals. Yeah, so I agree. Like. I only have one and we haven't used it yet, but I'm just like waiting for the opportunity. Yep. It's gonna it's
0: gonna yeah, It's going to happen. It's going to
1: happen. It's going to happen. Like it gets battery powered. So you don't have to plug the lamp in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting point. Like it can be powered from the lamp, right. but, but it also has a battery that gives you some amount of runtime. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you get both options. Pretty cool.
1: I should replace all the lights in my house with those. <laughs>
0: use the sinus link app instead of whatever home yep. automation yeah exactly
1: yeah. and then just in like an emergency situation i can just unscrew it and take it with me <laughs> <laughs> perfect this is good this is good yeah yeah Were the tube lights that you were looking at were those similar to those ones that you can like construct an entire set out of so that they
0: announced at nab these were not those um that was so you know there's amaran and aperture amaran's like the cheap uh like like prosumer level of, right. of aperture so the ones that you could construct are made by Aperture, and those are called if Infinibars. Infinibar. Yeah, and those are more expensive. Uh, you know, they're they're pixel lights, so you can have like multiple colors on the same bar, and I mean, it's very expensive. These were the Amaran uh, version, so like the Prosumer ones, and they make them in two and four foot lengths. They do have a pixel version of it too, but the ones that were on really cheap sale are just RGB.
1: How would you mount those if you got them?
0: They have, uh, so they've got three, eight and quarter 20 screw holes, like all over, all over them. So both ends in the middle, like all that. So you can just screw it into a light stand or like a super clamp or something. Okay.
1: So you can kind of just like hang it off to the side.
0: Yeah. They also come with a, uh, a little screw on what looks like a ring. And so you can screw that on one end and then you can just hang it from something. It's kind of neat.
1: Okay, that works. I'm like trying to think of the next music video we're going to shoot and how you would mount those things. Yeah. And that
0: would basically be impossible.
1: You could just make somebody hold them.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, there's a lot of ways you could use something like that because you could mount it on like a light stand. Sure. Um, but you could also just set it on the ground and have it point up. You could put it in a corner out of frame could and it, just have it as some extra light. So you got a lot of options. Could it be useful to disguise
1: your C-stands? Like, say you yeah, have a light on a C-stand, but you pu- you just put it on the C-stand. So people think, oh, yeah, like that's just a light back there. You probably could. But it's actually hiding
0: yeah. the light stand. I don't see why not. It's a good idea.
1: Do they make, like, little magnet disks so you can just, like, magnetize it into something? Uh,
0: I don't know, you, could, but you probably, could probably construct something like that. Yeah,
1: you could probably buy, like, a magnet washer and a quarter, yeah. quarter 20 or 20, whatever, and just screw it in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I got two more. Uh, Have you seen the Resolve Beta 5? I, I did see that today and I commented on it and it's like, uh-huh. they just keep, these things just keep coming, man. Like when are they going to release 18.5? Yeah, when, when is it out of beta? <laughs> we're currently on beta three. Now, I, I will say it's, it, it seems like the, the pace of innovation is slowing down a little bit. And there were a couple of improvements in this one, but it wasn't as long of a list as some of the early ones, which gives me hope that maybe they're getting close to an actual release. Did you see anything that stood out? I don't think I did, but now you're making me wonder, what did I miss? Yeah, well, I mean, we're not even
1: on, we're not even on four.
0: <laughs> That's true. I, I think I looked at four when it came out. I looked at five and I mean, I'm not saying these updates aren't exciting and I haven't looked at them in detail, but there wasn't anything that immediately stood out to me like, you know, this is a bug we've been experiencing or this is a big pain point. So I think it may be things that don't really touch our workflows, but I don't really know. I would, I would like
1: them. I don't love using beta software for the stuff that we do, but also I like being able to use both my iPad and mm-hmm. Resolve, and the 18.5 features are so, 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 so Hon- good. It's uh, worth it.
0: Honestly, with doing interview stuff, the transcription stuff that they've put in 18.5 feels like that was worth it. Like, yeah,
1: it's absolutely worth it. Like, it, would, it makes our job so
0: much mm-hmm. easier.
1: But I really need 18.5 to not be a beta anymore so we yeah. can get
0: off of the beta track. I agree. Yeah. Hopefully soon. All right. Last
1: one here. And I already know the answer before I even ask this. Uh, any updates on your photo workflow?
0: There are no updates on my photo workflow. I don't take pictures. Oh, geez.
1: Uh, but you got like that, uh, that, that XT30. And like you were going to start taking JPEGs yeah. or something.
0: Yeah. And then nah. you were going
1: to figure out how to like get them into iCloud. Like you were going to use... You're gonna switch to like Apple's photo library. Or you're gonna like, use Lightroom again or something.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have any updates on this. I know that disappoints you. It hurts you inside, but I just don't have any updates. I just
1: don't. I don't understand how you do anything. <laughs> like, what? Where are the photos that you took whenever you went on that last trip? They're still on the
0: SD card, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have backed them up to the Synology. But... <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I. <laughs> What? what it's fine lucas it's fine i don't understand
1: <laughs> okay well uh figure that out and then i'm gonna ask it ask you about it in like six months
0: okay that sounds good i like that plan <laughs> okay that's
1: everything for my lighting round
0: all right let's go ahead and call it there then cool that's it for the show today thanks for joining us and if you liked it tell a friend so they can check it out too you can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Camera We'll be back with more next week.